He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. And I'm so the rest of the lyrics, which for some reason were deleted, clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am stuck in the middle with you. Don't delete the clowns and the jokers. They're, they're part of my act, guys. <laughs> so, um, you know, everybody is so focused now on whether Pelosi will succeed in passing a reconciliation bill of only one and a half trillion dollars or two trillion dollars down from three and a half trillion. And uh, that's supposed to be a victory for conservatives. But the fact is that there are real wins that we have secured here, real huge accomplishments. And I just worry that we're all so pessimistic given Biden's presidency that we're not understanding fully what we have accomplished. And by we, I mean the listeners of this station, the station itself, the uh, Newsmax TV, uh, and the conservative media in general, has just done an incredible job, given the fact that the establishment media controls all of the main outlets, the Times, the Post, everybody, Wall Street Journal, basically, and they have all propagandized uh, how uh, Biden is, is, is getting his way and is moving ahead, and the Republicans are impotent and so on. Well, not very impotent. Look at the world that would have happened if Biden's agenda had passed intact. First, he wanted to put the Voting Rights Act in the uh, reconciliation bill. So that means that there would be no voter ID requirement anywhere in the country permitted. Same-day registration would have been required. There would be no verification of signatures on absentee ballots uh, forever. Reapportionment would be vested in commissions that are set up, which basically gives the Democrats control over them. And the the whole process would have assured that we probably have no Republican Congresses for the rest of our lifetime because the AG and the president could override any state voting requirement and impose their own. And uh, it would be a self-perpetuating process. Uh, they win elections because they fix elections. And then when they win the elections, they renew the fixes. Uh, so how do you penetrate that? That is now gone. Not going to happen. Kaput. Uh, they also wanted to grant amnesty to 8 million illegal immigrants. One stroke. All legal. And in a few years, they all become voters. And we, the theory is we never win a presidential election again. I don't, I dispute that because I think the Latino vote is increasingly going to come our way. But, uh, on the reconciliation package, it would have absolutely ended, uh, the possibility of us winning a popular majority for a while. And that's dead. That's gone. It's out. Uh, they wanted to control prescription drug prices, which means that there would be no money available for innovation, research, or development by the pharmaceutical companies. The idea was that they would control the prices of things like statins and antibiotics that are widely used, and then that price control would reduce the price to a point where the drug company could not skim money off like they do now and give it to research and development. 
about 26% of the gross revenues of the drug companies in America goes to R&D. And that's how we developed the vaccine against COVID. That's how we developed all the statins and other drugs that have lowered heart attacks dramatically. That's how we have increasingly gotten over cancer and made cancer more of a chronic disease than an acute disease. I had tongue cancer three years ago, and I expect to be walking around with it talking on these shows for the rest of my life. Uh, cancer became a chronic disease because of these medical breakthroughs. And the medical breakthroughs were not funded by the government. They were funded by the drug companies, and that's funded by us when we buy medication. And the Democrats wanted to cut it, limit it, and not give us the savings, by the way, but use it to expand Medicare. So uh, that's kaput. That's gone and dead. They also wanted to expand Medicaid so that it basically would cover everybody making up to about 80000 a year. In about 35 states, the states have agreed to that, but 15 have not, including Florida and Texas. And uh, this they wanted to force them all to in this bill. That's now out of the bill. It's not happening. Medicare, they wanted basically to bankrupt the trust fund so that Medicare would become just like Medicaid, a welfare program, take it from Peter and give it to Paul. When Kennedy and Johnson both battled for Medicare in the first place, they were determined to keep it under Social Security. And the idea was that it would be a social insurance, not a welfare program, so that you paid money into it over your life, working life as you do now with your Medicare taxes. And then when you got old and you got sick, you would draw it and use your own money. And that colors the whole way Medicare is run. They never tell you on Medicare, you can't have this shoulder surgery, you can't have this hip replacement, you can't have this knee replacement. Medicaid, they do it all the time because in Medicaid, their philosophy is it's our money, the government's, and you're our charity case, you're our ward, and we'll give it to you if we want, we won't if we don't. Medicare, the attitude is it's basically your money, and uh, as long as there's no fraud and it's legit, we'll let you do it. That would have ended because they would have expanded Medicare by dropping the age to 60, which meant that instead of 60 million people under Medicare, 80 million people would be covered. And they wanted to expand it to offer offer a hearing, vision, and dental benefits which is nice, but it would have bankrupted the trust fund, which is set to run out of money next year. And the Democrats wanted that because they wanted Medicare to become a welfare program because that way they can control it and they can control all the people that use it, as opposed to what John Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson had in mind, which is the self-perpetuating social insurance fund. They also wanted to include an entitlement to free community college for the first two years of college. Now, let me tell you how that would have worked. When I worked for President Clinton, I proposed to him that we have free community college, and he liked the idea, and we got it through everybody. We passed it. We included it in the budget, and it provided for a subsidy to the states for the first two years of the average cost of their, two, of their two-year colleges, and, uh, and everything was great. Then what happened was the state legislatures cut their appropriation by the amount of money we were giving them so that tuition went back to where it was before. 
and they completely ate up all the money the feds had given them uh, by, because they wanted to cut back their contributions to the community college. So it didn't work at all. There was no cut in tuition. And that's basically the cycle that Biden would now get on again. It's basically a way to transfer to the federal government the costs of all community colleges in the country. Uh, so these entitlements would work forever to swell the budget, create deficits, pile up the national debt, and we stopped it. We also stopped the bill that said that repealed the right to work laws in 27 states. So everybody had to join a union. Everybody had to pay union dues or lose their jobs. Uh, even though the voters in these states voted for a constitutional protection called right to work against that. So give yourself a pat on the back. This is damn good for a day's work. Uh, given the majorities we had against us. And don't think that it's because Manchin and Cinema were so courageous. They're not. It's that the whole constituency in their states forced them to do that and made them move over. And you'll see when the congressmen and senators that didn't listen to their constituency and voted for this crap are going to get clobbered in the 22 election. So let me know what you think. Call me at 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. When we come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about my proposal that I think I mentioned on a previous show, but I'm going to go into it now, about changing the whole abortion debate. The whole debate. Right now you have a choice between, on the one hand, having the baby be aborted and killed, or on the other hand, terminating the pregnancy. How about doing, how about not, how about terminating the pregnancy, but preserving the life of the fetus? That's what we'll talk about coming up for a break. But do remember, before we go to the break, how we have succeeded in crippling Joe Biden's agenda. He took office with all this momentum. He took office saying he ran the Senate and the House. And look what's happening now. Slip sliding away. Slip sliding away. You know the nearer your destination, the more you slip sliding away. This is 77 WABC, and this is the Dick Morris Show. He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump, and now he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle with you. And I'm wondering what it is I should do. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Now, stuck in the middle... The most divisive issue in our politics is abortion, and both sides have a very good case. The pro-life people have a great case, which is to say that these fetuses we're killing are potentially live human beings and that we're destroying them when they're still in the womb. And the pro-choice people have a case when saying this woman might not have wanted to be pregnant. You don't want to give birth to an unwanted child. And why should she have to assume financial responsibility for this kid for the rest of her life? And that debate has polarized because it is a matter of life and death. 
But what if we could take advantage of modern science and technology, which has advanced the date of viability, the date where a fetus can live outside the womb, from the Roe v. Wade standard of 26 weeks to the commonly accepted standard of 24 weeks and to the increasingly emerging standard of 22 weeks. Uh, one of the top doctors said, I've been doing this for 40 years, and every 10 years of my practice, the age advances one week. So now there are actually reports of a fetus being viable at 22 weeks. At 22 weeks, 20% now survive. And that's going to improve as time goes on. So how about going changing with the times and defusing this debate and saying to both sides, you can have your cake and eat it too. Say to those people who are pro-choice, you can stop the pregnancy, you can terminate the pregnancy, no childbirth, no risks from giving birth, no pain, and no financial responsibility for a child for the rest of your and his life. Okay? And say to the pro-life people, you want a healthy baby to come out of this womb, come out of this fetus? Great. We'll give it to you. So as tell women they can have their choice, of course, but suggest to them and incentivize them to come in early and get the womb, get the fetus extracted from the womb surgically and put into an incubator where it can live until it's viable and then emerge as a healthy human being. And give every pregnant woman who wants it $2,000 bonus if they agree to an early live birth as opposed to an abortion. Incentivize the human life. We all talk about how great it is and how important it is. Well, put your money where your mouth is. And then say that if any couple adopts a child, we will give them a, a payment of $10,000 a year after taxes for the rest of their life, rest of the child's life until 18 to help them bear the costs of their kid. And then you have Biden's 3600 a year tax credit on top of it. So you're basically giving them 20000 pre-tax income, 14 after tax, uh, per child that they adopt. Last year we had 700,000 abortions in the U.S. That's a tragedy. 700,000 fetuses dead and only 135,000 adoptions. Let's change those numbers. Let's have overwhelming the number of fetuses live and become viable, healthy human beings. And let's reduce the number of abortions by increasing the number of adoptions. Now, it's weird. Florida offers $5,000 a year per child until the child is 18 if you adopt. New York offers zero. California offers zero. Michigan offers zero. All of the pro Texas offers $1,500 one-shot payment, and then they say rot's a ruck. Why are these liberal states that talk about the importance of, of, of choice making that choice impossible, financially untenable, by not offering assistance to the couples that adopt or the people, single people that adopt? Either you believe in human life or you don't. And I believe that we can preserve the fetus 
and have the child develop a healthy, independent life with a loving couple that will nurture him and support him uh, for the rest of his life with the government assistance. We're giving government assistance to everybody for everything anyway. It would cost $60 billion to do a year to do my program. And for $60 billion, we can save 600,000 lives a year. I mean, that's a good deal in anybody's book, whether you're Republican, Democrat, communist, or fascist. It's a great deal. And we should do that. On my TV show on Newsmax, I had my, have Mike Huckabee on. And uh, he's coming on to uh, endorse this program and say that he thinks this really could work. And I believe it will completely defuse the controversy. The pro-lifers will get what they want, a baby. The pro-choicers will get what they want, a terminated pregnancy. And the fight is gone from it. Why would you ever want to abort a baby when you can get $2,000 for not doing it, not giving birth, but at five months they they uh, take out the fetus, a non-invasive, easy procedure? Uh, why wouldn't you do that? Why would you insist on killing the fetus? Come on, guys. Get some sense here. Let's go to um, Roger at uh, in New York City. Roger Joe in New York City. How are you? Excellent show. Thank uh, you. Indeed. Mr. Morris, I think the best bet would be for Joe Manchin of West Virginia and... Uh, uh, Cinema. And, uh, exactly. And Kirsten Cinema, who's even more to the right than uh, Susan Collins, who's yep. a Republican. Yep. Why don't they switch parties, become independent or Republican, that would be the ideal solution for them. Yeah, but they've, the Democrats have, uh, are afraid of losing them, and the Republicans have tried to get them over, it's particularly Manchin. But they're not doing it because in many respects they are Democrats. They do favor more spending than Republicans do, and uh, and they're, they're not for zero stimulus payments. They want one and a half or two trillion. They're just not crazy. You know what they are? They're conservative Democrats. I used to be one of them, and there's no such thing anymore. So they, there's pressure to become a Republican. But it seems to me that they're doing quite a good job, and I'm glad that they are where they are. And, you know, I ran the race against Joe Manchin when he first ran for the Senate. Uh, but he, uh, he is now winning by the skin of his teeth in West Virginia. So he's moving to the right. And I think that's great. Thanks for calling. Hey, John in Bergen County. How are you? Uh, hi, I'm not, I'm John in Brooklyn. Is that me? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I have Bergen uh, County, but I, you, you didn't know you moved, did you? Well, your voting registration yeah, moved, so you, you can vote in both places now if you're a Democrat. Go ahead, John. Uh, you, you, can, you can vote in various countries if yep. you're a Democrat, as we had to work out. Um, I've been involved in the Right to Life movement for over 50 years. Good for and you. The, and I'm, I'm, I also am what you most people term organic or a green person. I believe in nature. I believe in. I believe that. Knowing what happened, former EMT and former pre-medical student. John, I hate to, to, hate to hasten you, but get Okay, going. but what, yeah. knowing what happened. No. The finest way to bring a child to birth is to leave it in the mother where it's healthiest. Not every child survives. 
outside the womb at 22 or 24. Right, but almost everyone survives at 20. Almost everyone survives at 25 or 26. And medical technology is advancing to a point where you have something like 85% surviving at 24 weeks. And that's increasing. By the time we you get off the phone, it'll be five points higher. Uh, they're, they're really nurturing them well. What Sweden has it over 90%. They give mothers injections right before their pregnancy that have, of steroids and other stuff that hasten lung development. So in one day, you can develop a lung as much as normally you do one week in the fetus. And they do something else that's neat. They put vent, put them on ventilators, but instead of a stream of air, they do it like a baby would have it in the womb, puffs of air that really help the lung development. And uh, we don't spend any time on keeping the fetus healthy when it's out of the womb. And it's about time we started to do that. And there's no reason we can't bring our rates up to the 90% plus that Sweden does. But, uh, John, you know, we've... We've been fighting this fight for a hundred years now. It's fifty years actually. And the pro choice people aren't going away. So either you do my proposal or you have a dead fetus and there there's no option of reviving them. So um my proposal is a compromise, but it's a way that I think both sides can live and let live. Let's go to Pete in Montville. How are you? Uh, doing good, Dick. How are you? Yeah, thanks, doing great. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. Uh, you are you are a breath of fresh air when you started talking about the things that were not in the bill because I'm a, a retired teacher and I, uh, I'm a senior citizen. Congratulations to your service. And on and on I could go. It's it's working out okay, but I, I'm just, uh, you know, it's kind of hard, Dick. It's really kind of hard to keep your chin up sometimes these yep. days, you know? I know. As I conservatives, know. I got a chance to vote right. this uh, n- this month, and I know where I'm going with that. Yeah. But Good. thank you very much, Dick. Well, you're welcome. For, uh, Bless you for the calling, faith and, and helping me keep my chin up. And thanks for your service. Don't keep your chin too high up. They'll hit it. <laughs> okay, guys. We'll be back after a break, and then we'll talk about this stupid, ridiculous vaccine mandate. We're at 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Give us a call. Let's talk. He's been advisor to Presidents Clinton and Trump. And now, he's here to advise us all. Dick Morris is on 77 WABC. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. Before we get to uh, the mandatory vaccines, we got some neat calls here and love to chat with them. Let's go to John in Bergen County. Hey, John. Mr. Morris, good afternoon. Hi. Uh, quick question. I'm wondering if we look back in 10 years and say that this last week was the beginning of the end for the Democratic and Joe Biden agenda. Yeah, we absolutely, absolutely. You, you you take this the last two or three weeks. It stopped the momentum dead. We blocked it in key places and rolled a lot of it back. Now, the next step, of course, is we beat them in 22. We take Congress and then we recapture the presidency with Mr. Trump. But we're on the way, and that's really important. Thanks for your call, John. John, I appreciate it. Uh, let's go to uh, Joe on Staten Island. Hey, Joe. 
Hey, Dick, how are you? Good, and you got a good point. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, you never mentioned anything about the eighty billion dollars to the IRS yeah. and the six hundred dollars that won't look into our checking account savings again. Yep. You never mentioned that at all. You mentioned everything yeah, else. Yeah, you're right. That is so critical. You're you know? right. That's why I took your call. You're absolutely right. Uh, I, I did it because it's under the revenue category, not the spending. But you're absolutely right. One of the most horrible things in this bill is, and still there is giving the IRS $80 billion for extra enforcement so they can hire an army and equipping them with the ability to pry into your personal bank accounts and uh, like you're guilty before you're proven innocent. That's a horrible provision. And the reason it's in there is partially because they want the extra money, but partially because they have $3.5 trillion and they have to prove to people that it's paid for it, so Biden can go around saying it won't cost anything, which is nonsense. And the theory of it won't cost anything is that six hundred billion of the three and a half trillion is by increasing IRS enforcement of existing taxes. And to the Democrats, that means no new taxes. It's the same old taxes, just people didn't pay them and now we're collecting them. Now, to us, it sounds like it's a tax increase. It's money that we hadn't paid that now we're paying. And they can only get that scored by the Budget Bureau if they give the IRS extra money, which is a basis for saying it. Now, you know and I know that the IRS will abuse this. It will be incredibly intrusive. And you know and I know they're not going to collect $600 billion from it. It's fantasy. They'll collect maybe $100 billion. And, but it will give them a chance to borrow the other $500 billion for the deficit because they claim, oh, my God, we had an unanticipated revenue shortfall and we've already spent the money. We have no choice, but we have to borrow it. And we didn't mean to add to the deficit and the debt, but now we have to because of this unexplained revenue shortfall. So it's a bureaucratic budgetary BS, and that's why they're doing it. But I hope that the Republicans scale it back. But what we really ought to do, which I don't think we're doing, is say, okay – If you want that, we want an entirely new Bill of Rights for IRS customers, for taxpayers. We want limits on their ability to do audits. We want limits on their ability to seize. We want more protection for taxpayers. We want due process rights. We want all of that stuff that they normally won't give us. And, 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 you ready for the big one? We want no unionization of IRS employees. The IRS employees right now are part of the Treasury Workers Union. That's a communist union. It's as, it's as left as you can get. They believe in income redistribution. And those guys work at the IRS because they believe in that. When you graduate from being the left-wing SDS in, on campus, whatever, Black Lives Matter or Antifa, you go to work for the IRS. You remember Lois Lerner, the woman that penalized all the conservative groups? She's typical of the IRS employees. Now, we do not allow FBI members to be unionized. We don't allow soldiers to be unionized. We don't let DOJ employees be unionized. Why do we let IRS employees be unionized, especially with this crazy left union? But thank you for bringing that to my attention. Pamela in Central Jersey. Hey, how are you, Pamela? Uh, hi. Um, I, hi. I understand what you're saying about abortion, 
But that's going to create another problem, people doing it for profit. There will I, be people you are, who you, get pregnant just to collect the two grants. You, you're right, Pamela. And I forgot to say some, one aspect of that bill. Somebody pointed that out to me. And I added a thing. You can only get one $2,000 payment for your life lifetime. So you can't do it again and again. There will be some people who do it to get one payment. But frankly, I'll tell you something. I'm pro-life enough. So, hey, if I have to pay somebody $2,000 to save a life, I'll do it. Uh, I don't want to do it 10 times. But uh, once, uh, I think it's not a bad deal. Then thanks for calling, Pamela. I appreciate it. Eddie in Rockland. How are you, Eddie? Hi, it's Ellie. Okay, but thanks for taking my oh, call. I'm so, sorry. Uh, as a senior, okay, I have a question to you. I don't know if you can answer me, but hopefully you can. Now, as a senior, I paid toward my um, coverage for many, many years here, okay? And uh, I find out uh, that my uh, what I get is much, much less than somebody that doesn't pay nothing, okay, under Medicaid, okay? Yeah. And I don't. Th- I think it's wrong. I think, yeah, I, think, you're, you're, I think people who pay should come. You're right and, about that, Eddie, and uh, it's, 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 it's unfair. They've expanded Medicaid to a point where it provides, in some cases, more generous benefits than Medicare, even though Medicare is contributory. You're right, it's not fair, and you're right, that is what's happening. So what I want to talk about now for a little bit is the uh, vaccine mandate. You know what this is? Get this. Biden made a a turn in his car onto a one-way street, and he's gone the wrong way up the one-way street. And he's headed into a cul-de-sac, and he blew past a stop sign. (laughs) That's his vaccine mandate. Because what he's doing is that he is mandating a vaccine for a disease that is disappearing. The number of new COVID cases since September 15th has dropped from 146,000 to 108,000. And winter's approaching. So, you know, it's supposed to increase as winter's approaching. It really begs the question that we got to say with Joe Biden that is the question we're increasingly getting asked. Is there anybody in there? Just not if you can hear me. Is there anyone home? So he's going to be chasing around everybody with pink slips to fire them from their jobs until they agree to get a vaccine to cure a disease, prevent a disease that doesn't exist anymore. And, of course, it ignores the fundamental fact that we're busy telling everybody, oh, get this shot, you'll be immune, you'll be bulletproof. Oh, but wear this mask and you can't go into this restaurant and you'll be fired from your job, even though vaccinated people have no reason to fear you, no reason to worry about being exposed to unvaccinated people. Otherwise, what's the vaccine for? Uh, and, And I think completely ignoring that contradiction. And what we're going to be doing now is firing people, particularly minority people, because they're not, they're vaccinated at a much lower rate. And we're going to be basically it's a civil rights violation, but it's also idiotic. Uh, you don't need it. If you're not vaccinated, you're a threat to yourself. Okay. You're big. You're an adult. You're a threat to yourself. Assess the odds, make your decision, and God bless you. But don't endanger somebody else. But if the other person has had his shots, 
like a good puppy, <laughs> then, you know, what's the deal? You're not endangering that other person. You're just endangering yourself, and that's your God-given right. So why are we not only requiring the vaccine, but telling people we'll kick you out of your job, evict you from your house, break up your marriage, destroy your career, because you didn't get this vaccine that you don't need for a disease that's dropping off the charts? Come on. Even for Joe Biden, that really is weird. Hello. Let's go to Stu in Brooklyn. Hey, Stu. Hey, Good Stu. Good afternoon. I've Hi. got the perfect question for you with regard to the draconian measures yeah. that they're pushing to force people to take the vaccine. Given the release of the therapeutic pill that mm-hmm. could uh, cut into Merck. Uh, make yeah. a big dent in the sales, you think the fix is in maybe with the Bidens? Yeah, well, you're getting at the main point, Stu, which is why I was anxious to take your call. Um, Pfizer might as well be called Biden Inc. It they gave four hundred thousand bucks to Biden's campaign and to the Democratic Party in the last cycle, and they gave, they pulled the dirtiest trick in history to get Biden elected. The dirtiest trick. After Donald Trump put all the money into, manu- into developing and manufacturing this vaccine, yeah, after Trump did all of that, uh, we and, and developed the vaccine and got it out all over the country. Literally built a factory for, for Pfizer at government expense, gave Pfizer the key and said, "This is your factory now. Come here and make the vaccine." And that's why we have a surplus and nobody else does. And then he got FDA to approve their vaccine. They haven't approved any others. And then Biden, and now Biden's going out and saying, have an FDA approved vaccine, meaning go to Pfizer. And Pfizer's stock is soaring. But the dirtiest trick was that he had the vaccine. They had the vaccine tested and approved six days before election day. And they sat on the story. They did not release it until one week after Election Day, so Biden could get elected. If that vaccine had been announced seven days before Election Day, it would have been an October surprise, and Trump would have carried all of the swing states, uh, all of them. But they sat on that as a political payoff to Trump, and was arranged by Greg Simon. Greg Simon was, or he was a big part of it, Greg Simon was one of Biden's staffers who headed by one of Biden's health institutes that he set up with campaign with tax exempt money. And then he went to work as the worldwide director of development and sales for Pfizer after spending his career working with Biden. So Biden and Pfizer are one and Pfizer paid off Biden by sitting on that vaccine. And how many lives did they kill because of that two week period Nobody could get a shot uh, because they were holding it to re-elect Biden. That's a good question. It's Sunday, and you know what that means. Here's Dick Morris on 77 WABC. 
to me, jokers to the right, here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Well, the situation that Hillary Clinton created of the Russia hoax, the the hoax that Trump collaborated with Russia to fix the election that she used during her campaign, she used afterwards, and the Democrats tried to get Trump blocked from taking the oath and then impeached over this. And it turned out to be totally and completely bogus, a scam, a hoax. I would say that about 25% of the copy of the front page of the New York Times between Election Day and about May of, tw- of, uh, of the first year of Trump, 2017, was devoted to this Russia hoax. And the pattern was very simple. What would happen is that Hillary campaign would fund operatives who would be detectives and stuff, paid operatives who would fabricate a story that tended to confirm this collusion narrative. Then they would take it to the FBI, where some of them used to work, feed it to partisan Democrats who worked there. They would note that they were investigating this. Then they would tell the newspapers that the FBI is hot on this trail and investigating it. And if they're investigating, there must be some reason for it. And the newspapers would headline that and make it seem as if Trump would be hauled off to jail any minute. Uh, totally a hoax, completely phony. What she did was that she retained a law firm named Perkins Co., C-O-I-E, that's currently getting subpoenas. And she did it through a law firm so that it would be covered by attorney-client privilege and you couldn't look at the internal communications. And Perkins Co., hired some people who hired Christopher Steele, who was a former British spy who got kicked out of the British Secret Service and worked for the FBI on the soccer scandal, you know, when Pfeiffer was taking payoffs of so- on soccer games. And uh, he leaked to, the, leaked to the press, and the FBI fired him too. He has the distinction of being fired both by MI6 and by the FBI. And this is the credible source that wrote this dossier that was completely and totally phony. It said that uh, the guy who worked – that that one of Trump's aides, uh, the guy who ultimately went to jail in the uh, – in his tax scandal, I forget the name, uh, that he met in Vienna – with his opposite numbers in the from the Kremlin, and they fabricated the, a whole. They developed a whole system for fixing the election and controlling the results. Michael Cohen's name I'm looking for, and uh, it was totally phony, completely bogus. Cohen had never been in Vienna. His passport showed that, and uh, the guy who he allegedly met with was doing 20 years in Siberia for child uh, abuse, and. Uh, it was a completely phony story. But John Brennan, who was the head of the CIA at the time, was determined that this narrative would work. And the FBI agent, Strook, I think Peter Strook, uh, said that this would be insurance in the event Trump would win the election, meaning that we could use this to get him impeached and thrown out of office. And there were serious discussions about was Trump compromised and in hock to Vladimir Putin. And uh, this dog Trump for the first six months of his presidency 
and got in the way of his dealings with Russia, got in the way of doing anything honestly in this situation. In this case, the fool believing was American media. But, you know, maybe they weren't so fools. Maybe they knew that it was a hoax, knew that it was BS, but would do anything they could to stop Donald Trump from getting elected and to elect Hillary Clinton. This was the filthiest, dirtiest trick in American history. They literally deceived the whole federal government, the whole media corps, the American people around an issue that was completely and totally fabricated. Unbelievable. Let's go to Larry in Brooklyn. Hey, Larry, how are you? Good, good. First of all, I have to disagree with you, um, uh, Dick. Um, it, this this whole thing, the whole notion of Trump of Trump losing because of the COVID vaccine is is a red herring that they floated out there that they could use after the election is stolen. They needed an issue to to say why Trump lost the election, so they seized yeah. upon that early. But, Trump, what because Trump reassured people, yeah, don't worry, it's going to pass like the night. No, that, that, that's why. That's why he was there. That doesn't. That doesn't vitiate my point. You're right and I'm right. Uh, Trump, uh, I believe – let me be clear what I think about the election of 2020. I have a book coming out on this in March. Trump would have lost the popular vote had there been a fully honest election. But he would have been president, would have been reelected because in three states, Wisconsin, Georgia, and uh, Arizona – Fraud was the reason that Trump lost, and had that fraud been stopped, he would have carried those states. Uh, and, and that, I think, is the thing. But don't let that blind you to the fact that if he had announced a week before the election that he had developed a vaccine to immunize people against COVID and that this cup would now pass from our lips and this would no longer grip the country and we were on a track to return to normal – Oh, my God, that would have boosted him 10 or 15 points in the polls. The only issue Biden had was the was the virus. That's why he went around with this big black mask all the time and hid in his basement because he was saying that ultimately uh, the virus was the only issue and that he could do a great job on that. Hello. So, uh, so absolutely. Let's go to Ed in Mineola. Hey, Ed, how are you? Yeah, how you doing, Dick? Um, I'm just wondering, what do you think is going to transpire with this infrastructure package? Because that number 1.5, if they go over that, I think uh, it's going to really... Well, you're talking about the uh, $1.2 billion BIF, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Package, or the 3.5 BBB trillion program, Build Back Better, that they probably going to pair back to 1.5. They're both total scams. At least the one... at, yeah. at least the 1.2 trillion is about infrastructure. Some of it's a little stretching, like building charging stations for electric cars and stuff like that, where we don't have the batteries. It really, it really but, should be about <clears throat> tops 750 billion. Yeah, that's probably I mean, probably about right. 
but but the, the but and the other package, the three point five come one point five trillion, is all unbelievable stuff. I mean, I don't mean to praise that package by patting us on the back for pruning it back from three point five. The one point five is plenty outrageous, and will you know? There's a five thousand dollar tax credit in there if you buy a car made by union workers. You know that. There's a tax credit anyway for new cars. They'll add 5000 bucks to it if the car is made by a union shop. Unbelievable stuff. Let's go to Anthony in Belmont. Hey, Anthony. All right, Mr. Morris. And uh, later today, I'm going to be handing out Willy Wonka golden tickets. Listen, the America is important. To the world's gold, uh, not gold, that's Willy Wonka. Uh, the world's poor into America. That's why we can't solve the poor problem. We're, the whole world's coming. I wouldn't say the Democrats are off track now. They're going to go full steam ahead. If they could get 50 million illegals in here by yeah. next year, they couldn't care less. The hard left yeah. doesn't care about polling I gotta, nothing. i got to go to a break, Anthony, but I appreciate the call. You're right, uh, but there's one thing the Democrats aren't counting on. First of all, we'll be able to close that border after 22. But secondly, those immigrants are coming in and they want to be Americans. And when someone puts this country down, they react badly. And that's why Trump is probably going to carry the Hispanic vote, certainly outside of California, in 24. So pat yourself on the back. We stopped the worst from the Biden agenda. And uh, that's pretty damn good for a day's work. See you all next week. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.